And welcome to the Run Local Podcast. This is the podcast, Josh, where we introduce you to figureheads, to writers, to runners, to elite athletes, entrepreneurs, everything in the run space. And we ask them, how are they doing? How are they changing their community, Josh? How, how the heck are they? And today, we will do the same. We have none other than Chris Chavez of Sidious Mag, also of Sports Illustrated. I wanted to call it SI Now because uh, that's how I see them on the on the social medias. But Josh, are you stoked for this? Yeah, man, this is gonna be this is gonna be a great one. This is fantastic. You guys are coming off one of the uh, the most uh, anticipated events uh, on the running calendar. Because it was the only event on the running calendar. Yeah, Josh. pretty much it. Made it pretty much it. It was the. Yeah, we're gonna talk to. We're gonna let Chris do it. And Chris, tell us a little about yourself. How do you see yourself in the world? We're gonna stick with our tradition of letting you introduce yourself. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. This is uh, I love love the vibe uh, and the, and the energy levels right off the bat. So I'm looking forward to to this. But yeah, I you know I'm a full time writer at Sports Illustrated. I've been there for five years. Uh, before that, you know I you know bounced around a little bit. I started covering track and field in 2012 uh, with Flow Track. Did that for about two years, but then you know really kind of started getting introduced to. Uh, covering the sport on kind of a little bit of a bigger level, you know, interning at ESPN and doing some work with them while I was still in college. From there, I took the job at SI, and you know, it's it made it was a dream come true getting to go to the Olympics uh, for the first time in 2016. That was like my big goal since 2012. Um, what event? And then were you from in? there, yeah, I, I that was the best part. It was like right before the Olympics, I get to tell like people. Uh, it's like, yeah, I'm going to the Olympics. And like, that's the way to phrase it. You don't say I'm going to go cover the Olympics. You yeah, say I'm going right. to the Olympics. <laughs> and then there's also a component to it where I like to pre-write a bunch of stuff. I like to, you know, put together like a stats package and preparing for, uh, you know, whatever scenario might unfold in Rio. So that's, you know, technically training and preparation. So, you know, yeah. I like to tell people I'm preparing for the Olympics and tra- and, and uh, so, and then I, <laughs> so I say I'm going there. So it's the, I, it might have to be something I add to like a dating app or something like that to, Absolutely. you know, maybe attract, uh, someone else. So, uh, yeah, the, so I've been at SI five <laughs> I like years the philosophy about just like, let's, let's transition this into a fantastic lie that will, yeah. <laughs> that will lure someone in. Well, it, it, it'd be like, like, uh, oh yeah, totally. I, I, I also feel like. Especially like starting Sidious Mag in 2017, a lot of people have been able to catch on to a little bit more of my personality and, and humor. Uh, because for the longest time, I feel like I was a guy who just did interviews behind the camera um, or wrote a bunch of articles for FlowTrack uh, and then ESPN and Sports Illustrated. But 2017 and post Olympics, I kind of like made, uh, took a change a little bit and sort of like bringing uh, like a new site to the media landscape where it was more humorous commentary at the same time can be super nerdy. And so, uh, yeah, you know, I've gone all in on podcasting through that medium. I think like that's my new favorite avenue for storytelling. Uh, you know, I'll always be a writer first, but 
it's always much easier to just, you know, have a two hour conversation with someone, not have to worry about transcribing every single little thing and posting it up within an hour or two so that people can enjoy. So, uh, yeah, I've got I've gotten pretty into podcasting in the last like three or four years. Um, and so, yeah, people can find me on the Sidious Mag podcast, the Runners of New York City podcast. And then I also edit and produce any show that's on the Sidious Mag podcast network with the exception of like two. So uh, I like to stay busy and that's kind of like what I've been doing all year. Uh, even though there haven't been too many events, sleep has still been pretty minimal. <laughs> it's amazing how we all keep ourselves busy, even though it seems like there's way less to do over the last few months. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. Gosh, one thing you said about the training party, you getting ready for the Olympics reminded me, Josh, of, of your one of your favorite phrases of when people ask you, what are you running for? For, I'm training. I'm training for the games, man. Yeah, That's you're training for the games. <laughs> I'm training for the games. <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> well, what, are you guys, what are you talking about? And it's like, well, yeah, the games, and just walk away from that comment. That's it. Like, don't that even give an explanation. Yeah. It's like make them try to sort it out for themselves, and then you're you're good. It's like whatever they decide that means. Right. I'm okay with. Like, what, yeah. what games are you talking about? Exactly. That's the, the way I'll, pr- I'll I'll phrase it on on like Hinge and Bumble. It'll just be like, yeah, you know, I'm uh, preparing for the games. That's it. <laughs> Got to be a capital G, though. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which is great. Awesome. Well, I do want to get back into Sidious. I want to know uh, more about your writing career and things. um, And I couldn't believe how many podcasts run on Sidious. It's almost like you're the uh, Bill Simmons of running right now or something like that with uh, the Ringer Network. Um, But I love that comp. Yeah. Well, it's because, like, I think right from the very start, um, you know, I noticed that the sport had let's run where you can go and find every single link to every single news story and they you know do their own reporting and stuff i do my own reporting and feature writing for sports illustrated flowtrack has always been big on videos and live streams same thing with uh with runner space they've also got you know written components on there but i that was the one part where i felt like there was a little bit lacking was just kind of like that off the cuff like humor and commentary to bring to sport and that relatability that i think the ringer brings to the greater sports landscape where you know some people knock it as a thing where you go on that website and you kind of the homepage can overwhelm you where you wonder is this a sports site is this a pop culture site it you know in my opinion it doesn't really have to be one one thing totally and so um with Sidious who's kind of taking that uh, the page out of that Simmons playbook and and applying it to all right we've got a whole humor podcast we've got the serious you know uh interviews every single week and that kind of stuff and so yeah I mean at one point very early on someone had like compared us to like it's as if you know the ringer and let's run had a baby and I kind of like that comparison I like that too Josh and I tried to do that in 2012 in a podcast called The Trailer uh, with John Gugela and who else? Anybody else? I forget if anybody else was talking in it. But, um, stuff, yeah, right? that didn't last very long. It, no. we, we blew it up <laughs> real quick in terms of pissing people off. It was almost, we were too ahead of our time, uh, especially yeah. when we got <laughs> Ryan Hall and God training him and uh, <laughs> it, got, it got hot and heavy quick. There's there's a lot we learned on that one. It, I mean, it was fun though. I mean, there's a lot of we did we did some coverage on the on on the games, you know, which is which was which was fun, you know. It was all, but I all think a gay like can only get tickets to like badminton, and we were a running podcast, so it was it wasn't like we were getting hard <laughs> right. access. He's, he's like, yeah, man, I saw the same coverage as you from my hotel room, but let's talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, let's talk about, speaking of, this is a great transition, speaking of coverage from your hotel room or from your house or from your apartment in Queens, you're able to cover an actual event now from far away. And luckily they had great 
great coverage this past weekend. And I'm referring, of course, to the Marathon Project uh, produced by Ben Rosario and Josh Cox uh, and the team over at Big River uh, Racing Management. And it's interesting. All the riders, for the most part, there was no media there. Uh, every, everyone was pretty much covering it from the comfort and safety of their home. What was that like? Yeah, well, thankfully, I felt like the broadcast was, was pretty great. They also, like, added some new components in there, too, where, um, you know, there's a lot of people who had, you know, their their troubles logging into their USATF or Runnerspace account. But I think once you got past th that stuff, you know, the the uh, the stream is and the broadcast is pretty, pretty solid. I love the commentators and uh, it was it was great. I wish I was in Arizona for it, but. You know, one, I know Sports Illustrated probably wouldn't send me. Uh, there isn't too much of a budget when it comes down to what uh, we'll do with running, where, you know, I take I take my uh, Olympics and, and trials, and that's it. I'm good for, for every four years. Uh, so I wish I was out there. Uh, but, no, it was, it, was, it was great. And, you know, there was a alternate sort of, like, YouTube uh, commentary uh, that I was a part of, which was fun to kind of gather with a couple other people and, and kind of spit off, you know, hot takes and sort of just random questions and thoughts. So, you know, that's something that maybe could continue on in 2021 um, as we're slowly, I guess, phasing into the normalcy that'll come with uh, whatever is the new normal after all this. So, yeah, it was it, it was great. But um, I, I've, I've gotten kind of used to it. I mean, I'm one of those nerds who wakes up and or stays up to watch like the Dubai Marathon and and, and watches that and live tweets that uh, or same thing with like London in the early hours. Yeah. So um, it, it felt it felt normal again, I guess, a little bit. Yeah, that's pretty wild. And I mean, what a race to like to nerd out on. Like we haven't had those races. So yeah, London in, in its different form, uh, but no Chicago, no New York, and uh, no CIM. Where and then they take all these fields that they'd normally have a, a huge American contingent and they slam them all into one. And this is what you get: you get guys running at like the pace that they want to run at, and they're going for wins, which I think totally changes the dynamic. And I didn't get to see the the feed. I was out there helping uh, with some of the course management. And, and pieces like that. So I think I probably saw less of the race than both of you, even though I was on site. Um, but I could give some insight in, in, into some other things I saw, but I'd love to hear from you guys what you thought um, from, from the race dynamic, uh, both men and women, obviously. One, one going for a record, one going for a mass, mass group of fast times. Yeah, Chris, I mean, uh, from from my perspective, like I think JT brings up a really interesting point about being on site for a race or watching it, you know, online or rebroadcast or whatever it is. I mean, I think you actually see more of it when you're watching it online, assuming that the the, the coverage is as good as it, as it is. But, you know, I, I, I one thing that really stuck out to me was the fact that that there's nothing to lose in this one. There's only things to gain. So you don't have to play it. You don't have to try and get in the top three. It's either you run fast or you don't. Um, and and so often that gets slammed around in in this idea of of uh, time trialing on the track, where oh it's just about time trialing. It's never fun. It's never about racing. But the dynamic uh, at this event was it was about running fast, but it also ended up being about everybody was is still is still racing. But I don't know from your perspective, is that a product of the marathon? Is it a product of the times? Is it a product of the fact that no one's got anybody to anything to lose? I mean, what, what's your take on on that balance between those those uh, those dynamics? 
Yeah, I think you, you summed it up pretty nicely that um, it was going to be a suffer fest and like I was going to take joy in watching these people go after these really ambitious times and see who could hold on. Um, you know, on the women's side, you, there was a little bit of concern at first. It was like, okay, Sarah Hall might be going for, for this American record. Is the feed only going to be like a camera on her? Kellen Taylor adds the dramatics by going with her. And then all of a sudden you're wondering, it's like, how long is Kellen going to hold on for? And like, who did she like reveal that she was going to be doing this to? Um, so that was that was entertaining, and it was amazing that they had cameras on both the elite men and the elite women, uh, so that you didn't miss out on it. Um, and on the on the men's side, yeah, I mean, I loved seeing the tracker on the side of the broadcast that showed you, uh, you know, who was the leader and then how many seconds back everyone else was, so that you can also kind of see that there are 14 people in that lead pack, and then all of a sudden at the next checkpoint there was, you know, 10, and you start to see that number dwindle, and you know from my perspective too, it was a really cool kind of like last minute idea that me and a couple of buddies put together is we decided to make it into like a fantasy league where we did a six round draft and then we each drafted five people. So not only that, I was looking at the tracker to see where like my fourth and fifth person were because, you know, we had we had money on the line, even though like I guess you're technically not allowed to, to gamble on the sport. This is among friends. I don't think it hurts. And it kind of did show that if you implement that down the road, once we get to that point where it would be legalized everywhere, uh, it could get so much more entertaining and you get so much more invested in it. So uh, maybe we encourage a, a little bit of bad behavior, but no, it, it was it was it was fun, and um, I'm sure we're going to be doing it for for all the fall uh, majors next that. year. And the, I think I'm and bullish the, yeah. on running and gambling right now. I, I love you it. Know, uh, it's just I, in the U.S. though, man. Like you go outside of the U.S. and, and in Ireland, you can pretty much bet on anything. You can bet on whether or not you're going to slip and fall on the ice, you know, walking down the street to work. It's, it's <laughs> insane. I mean, it's amazing. Don't get me wrong. But this, this I is remember finding a, a gambling site for New York City Marathon. It was a London-based one, and they had individual matchups. This must – I'm going to date myself here, but we're talking Peter Gilmore running like the oh, 2009 yeah. – uh, Olympics, I mean, New York City Marathon, and they had matchups, individual matchups. So for some reason, this gambling site, I picked Peter Gilmore versus this random, like, um, Ethiopian guy. And and on the paper, it looks like Peter should get crushed. And Peter's, oh, no, I beat the guy like three to me. And I just took ton, all the money I had and put it on Peter. Um, and I don't know if that's inside uh, trading, but whatever. Got a, got a bunch of pounds out of it. Uh, and I think we need more of that. I've never watched that race so closely. Oh, man. And it's yeah, like, so if the model is there, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. No, no, no. I got nothing insightful to say. <laughs> well, so yeah, <laughs> if the model is there for, I guess, like to be able to do this next year, uh, like just among friends, which is our plan, uh, it's gonna feel like a fantasy football league because we're gonna draft every single week, and then the majors just stacked up on, on top of one another every single weekend. You're gonna have to. Uh, be keeping track of all these major marathons. So that's just like a little silly fun idea that, that was thrown out there. But the marathon project did sort of give, you know, even though this was no not planned by any of the race organizers, like it just was another uh, testament to like, hey, this is an appealing product. Let's see where we can take this to another level. And it, it, was, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Well, you know what I thought also was really interesting is the course itself, right? It was more like a Formula One course than it was like a traditional marathon mm -hmm. course. And it really gave that opportunity to have these kind of quality checks along the way that you could take a peek and see like, oh, okay, this person's X number of seconds in front or X number of seconds behind. And, you, you know, I, 
as an athlete, if I were if I were running that, I kind of I kind of like it. Um, I like the idea where you don't have to you don't have to guess. You know what's 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 coming, and there's a deeper level of strategy because there's no there's no level of surprises uh, that pop up like oh, I got to be prepared for the big hill at mile 17 or something along those lines. It's figuring out how to you know how to adapt to the to the racing instead of necessarily the the environment and the course. Now I don't know if that's an opinion that folks share as athletes or as, or as spectators but you know my opinion I'd, I'd i wouldn't mind seeing more of these loop courses um you know not necessarily like a square like london but something where hey there's a few it's like euro cross country man it's fun it's cool it's awesome get some more people closer to the action when that's ever allowed again yeah, and I, I saw a really funny tweet where it's like it'd be really fun to see like the Mario Kart sort of like map that they have like on the on the side where it's actually moving alongside. But I mean, there's just way too many people in order to pull that off. <laughs> there, there you go. Yeah, yeah. That's much more fun than Formula One sort of stuff, you know. Or you could have like pit stops where folks change their shoes midway through, like, you know, the tires are blown, <laughs> that sort of thing. Like, these aren't working for me. I got to go with a different pair of socks. You pit in for a second. <clears throat> I want to see a pit. I want to see a quick pit and, yeah, and yeah, outfits yeah. and more headphones, more headsets like you're wearing, Josh. Uh, you want to see, <laughs> that's right. You want to see like talking. Steph Bruce jacked up to get her shoes changed by a crew and it slammed back down and sent out on her way. Go, 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 go. Yeah. Um, let's talk a little bit about the, the, the performances. There were some incredible ones. Um, we started with Limitless. Let's keep going with that. I mean, Sarah, how did, first of all, how did she come back from London 11 weeks ago? Less than that? I'm not quite mm -hmm. sure how long ago it was, but it doesn't, doesn't really matter because she ran 222 a few months ago and now follows it back up with 220 uh, and change. Like, that's incredible. Yeah. She's 37 yeah. years old. So far. 11 weeks. It, it was crazy because I think she tried the experiment last year uh, trying to do New York uh, after... Berlin, which Berlin. was September to November, and then from there bounced back and do the trials. So she was able to pull off the fast PR at Berlin, and then sort of uh, the wheels came off. I think it was like cramping or something like that in New York that that did her in, and then eventually she also DNF'd at the at the trials. So um, yeah, it was finally cool to see her get that double right. Um, and you know, it just kind of goes to show, I guess, it, I don't know, like it, it's a very different type of way of going about marathon training and, but, um, super ambitious and she's, she's chipping away, you know, and she's taking off chunks of time every single time she's getting out there. Um, it'll be interesting to see how she's going to shift gears and try and make that track team, the, the, the 10 K team. But, um, yeah, it'll be very, very interesting to see not not just her, but all these other women who missed out on the uh, the Olympic marathon trials try and bounce back and make that that 10K team, which is going to be pretty deep. You think Emily Sisson, Molly Huddle, these are two people who were considered among the favorites to make um, the Olympic marathon team uh, now have to drop down in distance, and it's not going to be easy. Yeah. yeah, you know what's interesting to me about this about Sarah's performance, and when you look at her really great races um, that she's run, and the ones where she she hasn't run as great, I shouldn't say she hasn't run well, but you know she didn't run well in in New York, uh, had some trouble at the at the trials, um, but ran well in Berlin, ran well you know in uh, at the Marathon Project, ran well in I think Rotterdam as well. Like these are all pancakes. Uh, these mm -hmm. are all like super fast courses. 
And I think that there's like a little piece of, of marathoners that want to think that, yeah, man, give me the hard course, give me the grinder course, that sort of thing. But Sarah's version that, that, that I think in her ability to grind is really like, I'm just going to hammer the pace. And that's my, that's my grind. Um, I don't need the hills. I just need people to, to be, you know, to try and go with me and I'm just going to try to blow them out of the water. And so when I see that translating to the track, like her best thing is not, it's not a sit and kick. Her best thing is going to be like, let's grind this thing out from, from the get go, like fast right away. So I think she might have like an opportunity um, because last time I checked, it's been a long time since I've been on the track, but I don't think there's any hills in there. Um, but it's one of those <laughs> no. things where she can just get out and, and, you know, slam a 10K right away and force people to go with her. And a yep. lot of those other folks, like maybe Molly is some of those, someone who's going to be in there. Molly Huddle is going to be someone who's going to go like, yeah, okay, I can handle a fast pace. Um, but for the most part, like, like it's going to, it's going to require an all in approach rather than trying to run just to get third for, for yeah. these women to make that 10 mm -hmm. day team. Yeah. I, I mean, there's no easy team to make uh, come next summer. <laughs> I mean, you're going regardless. So that's great. The second place, Kira, I don't know why I have a hard time with her name because it's got apostrophes and a lot of punctuation. D'Amato, D'Amato. Mm -hmm. With that, what? Did, yeah, how, Kira D'Amato. Are out of a 10K now? After all the, uh, after American best at 10 miles and, and her dropping down to 10K and every personal best for the last year? She's definitely like one of the most intriguing runners of 2020 and the fact that she was able to sort of like keep that competitive edge going when it came to shifting to doing more solo work, whether it was, you know, virtual 5K time trial that she did solo or then like dropping down, continuing to train at this high level and then notching PRs on the track and beating some other professional women that are sponsored and like train with these these clubs and at altitude um whereas she's you know full-time realtor mom and you know i think 30 37 or 36 or something like that um so she definitely i think makes the case for most impressive i think 2020 like u.s distance uh, like female runner i would say um in, in my book uh it was just, and to see I, the biggest intrigue I had going into this race was just whether the Cinderella story was was too good for the marathon. Uh, and no, she ran a really, really smart race. I think someone ended up posting like her splits, and it was just a metronome. Just I think it was like 528 or 529 after 529, mm -hmm. um, and it, it 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 paid off. Huge, huge PR, and I think some sponsor is going to have to sign her. I think uh, for 2021. How can you yeah, avoid it? Do you think do you think she wants a sponsor? I mean, things yeah, are going well. That argument Maybe too. someone to buy a house or two would be about the same same commission of what right. these guys. Right, like what's what's she gonna get out of a sponsor? <laughs> right, no, and that's that is like a good argument and point to to sort of bring up. Uh, I think it was like Trevor Hoffbauer, uh, who made the Canadian uh, marathon team. When I had the conversation with him, sort of, especially when you get in sort of like the nits and grits of like. Uh, uh, of all the shoe talk where it's like, okay, like if these vapor flies are working for me, why would I want to take the risk to um, yeah. switch things up and, and run in a different product? Um, I think it was Melindy Elmore or one of the uh, Canadian yep. runners like had the, the article in Outside Melinda, Magazine. Yeah about how she's done the research and, you know, saw that Saucony's shoe was just as comparable as the Nike shoe. And so she felt confident in sort of the decision. But I, I could see how not everyone 
maybe feels that way. And so, um, yeah, she happens to have the the outside job where uh, maybe just signing away the rights to all her footwear and all that kind of stuff wouldn't be the best sort of move. You could maybe try and do things a little bit differently. And I think that's what the industry sort of has also sort of changed a little bit where you start to see all these different types of sponsors, especially with like, I guess some of the sponsorships restrictions starting to scale back. I think for the, for the Olympics themselves, um, there's more of an entry point for some of these newer sponsors to, to get involved. Yep. 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 And you know, uh, uh, Marhawi, um, started doing that years ago with Meb, um, where he was Mm -hmm. like, look, we're going to do footwear, but eyewear is this company or socks is this company. And, You know, I'm, I, I gotta say, like that's that it's not a, not a bad way to go. But um, you know, no, maybe maybe she needs something like a little more work for him. That's fine. Good, good. good. Howie's got to right is the one who's willing to work for you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, Howie's got to earn his check, man. Come on now, move on. <laughs> I love it. Well, let's jump over to the men's field real quick because uh, I thought that was, I mean, just the depth. When we're watching the front side of the race, I, I had a horse in the race and that I'm an old friend of uh, Scott Smith and he went to UC Santa Barbara. Oh, yeah. So I was, he, I was really rooting race, for dude. Scotty Smith. Uh, we had him on our run local Instagram live like a few days before the race. And he's like, yeah, I'm going on the 209 train. And in my head, I'm like, well, that'll be a short day. Um, and <laughs> for, <laughs> See you at 5K. <laughs> I mean, at least we'll be able to catch up during the race. Um, and then he hangs on, right? It, but they have that times eight. Uh, these guys stick together. Uh, pacing was incredible by, um, I think it was Mason Frank. and Frank Lara from, yeah, yeah. from Roots Running. And then, uh, gosh, I don't know. So you guys give me some of the names that were up there. Uh, I know I know the two Scots, uh, and we'll get to our winner. Jared here Ward was up there. Um, yeah. Who else? Uh, Cam Levins, who was, you know, going, taking a big swing for that Canadian uh, Olympic qualifying mark. Um, you know, I had my eyes on him. Well, he was, I think, my first round draft pick. So I was a little bit more invested in, in, in his sort of team. success. Yeah. yeah, he was on my fantasy team. Um, Noah Drotti, third round draft pick, I think ended up having one of the biggest that's days and one of the, was one pick. of the biggest fields. Yeah. You, you basically, that's, uh, the, that's the clay pool of... Uh, of running right there. Oh, totally. <laughs> and it, it's so funny to now in retrospect, start to think of just how we drafted and, and how the race played out, you know, that it's like, yeah, now we have to call him third round draft pick, you know, Noah Drotti ends up running 209-09. Uh, yeah. Um, it, th- that race was just, uh, the fact that there were, uh, I think it was like 14 guys through the halfway point on pace for 209 uh, was pretty crazy that you started to wonder like, are, is there going to be, 10 guys that are going to come close to, to 209, you really started scratching your head. So really funny, quick thing was that, um, and it hasn't been shared anywhere else yet, uh, I you know taped a podcast with Marty Hare yesterday, released it this morning, and in it he said that at the halfway point, uh, Scott Fobble let out like an expletive. Uh, Marty's too nice of a guy to say what it was. Uh, so I texted Fobble to find out what it was, and I think he said... Um, we're fucking money guys and, uh, to the Pacers in order to like get them amped up uh, because they were right on pace to where they wanted to be. And, you know, th- it was, it was just great. And it was also, I think he said to encourage Mason for like to go a little bit further uh, than just halfway. And I think Mason ended up going 15 miles when then Frank went 22 miles or 20 miles or so. Um, and yeah, but no, it was just a really funny thing to see the inner workings of how that race played out. And then, at 22 when Marty really takes off and starts kind of really 
kind of bringing up the shoes a little bit, bouncing and looking. He he has the pain face on, but he's he's got some airtime there uh, with those shoes on. And across the finish line, we get the two uh, the sub two and nine as promised. And it was it was just an awesome day all around with those seven guys breaking two ten. It was yeah, so man. cool to to because Marty pulls away, but then you start to look at the clock and you're like, holy shit. All these guys are going under 210. Like they're they're all going. They all got pulled to it, and that gets you excited. And I, and that I think is what gets Josh Cox excited and Ben Rosario excited and be like, we created something here. We created an opportunity out of nowhere to really change people's lives. I mean, when you can now hang your hat on a sub 210, yes, it's just a time or a number. But damn, if it doesn't sound better and feel better than whatever you know, you're too. 1030 or 211 whatever it's just incredible incredible performances and the depth of it made it so much more powerful and, and gave that event some prestige almost like post totally yeah. and, and chris I, you know I, back in back in the day um i used to do some elite athlete coordination uh and if i don't know about your perspective here but if if, if someone was a 209 uh and change or a sub sub 210 like it's a huge difference than someone who's run 213 and you're looking to get them into a race. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, okay, 209. Yeah, sure. Okay. Sure. They might've hit it once, but 213, it's like, man, I don't know. We can can feel that anywhere. Um, And and it really does open up a lot of uh, opportunities. And I don't know if that's something that, that resonates with those conversations that you've had about not just the financial pieces, but the opportunity um, to be put in other races to continue to progress. I mean, you talk to the guys more than JT and I do. What, what's what's their take on that? Yeah, I mean, it definitely opens future doors like much, much easier from there. Um, and they sort of, I guess when it comes to something like New York, they can start to make that argument for appearance fees and, and, and that kind of stuff. So that's like the next sort of level where you're not just thankful for the opportunity to get a spot in the elite field at like the New York city marathon. But then all of a sudden it's like, they're going to pay you to, to get there. And then whatever the incentive is to, you know, in order to cash that check, you got to go a certain distance or that kind of stuff. Uh, that's like all the inner workings of, of the behind the scenes stuff. But yeah. And at the same time, you know, uh, I'm, I'm going to tape a podcast with uh, Nate Martin who uh, finished, I think it was like ninth and he was two eleven oh five in the race really don't know too much about him but that's a really fast time um the 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 notable fun fact about him post this after this race is the fact that he just ran the fastest time for a black man born in the united states yeah, which i think yeah. is awesome especially in a year like this where we're looking to celebrate accomplishments like that and so i you know in doing some research for it I can read all these sort of like local news stories um, that have told his stories before, uh, but at the same time, like they're to to like the race and event organizer, you don't know this guy's name like offhand. Now he's at least got the time to 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 back it up, and hopefully it opens the door to to more opportunities and for him to be able to share that sort of story. So, yeah, um, I you know this is this was definitely you know the, initially. People were talking about how this is just an opportunity to maybe get those those time bonuses in your contract or uh, and that kind of stuff. But long term wise, this race did more good than than uh, than people probably think. Yeah. It, well, I mean, I don't know the inner workings of what who Nate is sponsored by, if anyone at all. But he wasn't running for a performance bonus. I'm I'm sure no. in the, in the same way. I mean, he's running for dude's a substitute teacher. Um, you know, he's mm-hmm. he's like a. Th- 
I think a three-time NAIA champ, um, a 214 guy before this whole event, like solid dude, right? Like he's, he's yeah. had some success, but that's not going to get you, that's not going to get you signed by, by a shoe company. Um, but no. Chris, I think, yeah, I mean, I think one of the interesting things you bring up is something I'm really curious about is like this idea of athletes as brand ambassadors and balancing, balancing that professional side of being a brand ambassador with authenticity. Um, so you make mm -hmm. it someone who's like, yeah, I'm super excited to sign with Saucony or, oh man, Puma. Yeah. I've been looking at them for years and very excited about that. Um, now how, when you're talking to athletes or your observations, like what's the, what's the challenge with, with that authenticity versus being a, you know, a, a brand ambassador, um, with, with, with a lot of these athletes. Yeah. So this is actually just a really uh, interesting conversation I was having this morning with uh, like my friend David Melly because we're hearing all these rumblings about how Puma is starting to get back into um, the distance running game and you and you really start to scratch your head and wonder uh, sort of like well in the past couple of years what do you think of when you think of Puma and it's like uh, you know a lot, Usain Bolt and the investment in sort of like a lot of sprinters and so uh, and now if, but you also now take the outside looking in perspective, some of these bigger uh, brands and teams have been working with, you know, the likes, of, like, it's crazy to think that Noah Lyles' this training group with, you know, Sean A. Miller and, all, and that whole squad down in Florida doesn't get as much attention as sort of like a Bowerman track club. Instagram followers, David told me, it was like, it was 111,000 for Bowerman, 5,000 for whatever Noah Lyles' training group is. Um, but these companies, the I name, feel right? like, like that's the crazy thing. Like clear athletics. I, I didn't know there was. Yeah, one. I don't know honest. the name. Yeah. It's like not necessarily <laughs> you. You probably know it. I don't. Yeah, and so you, but then you you try to think of how these shoe companies are operating, and obviously the big thing is they want to sell shoes. And how do you appeal to sort of the masses? There's so many more distance runners than like you know post collegiate and hobby jogging sprinters out there. I I tried to be one, but I realized my 25-1 PR from high school won't get me a lane in any sort of meet, so I have to you know start bumping it up to to the 5K, and that's how I got hooked on distance running. And so the market for distance runners is definitely uh, much bigger. But uh, yeah, so I mean it's it's really interesting to see the direction that companies might be taking next year, especially now that budgets have been tightened. Uh, so much due to the pandemic, there's going to be a lot of athlete cuts. I'm pretty sure um, once the calendar, uh, the yeah, the calendar year ends on December 31st, there's going to be a ton of free agents out there. Um, and yeah, at the same time, there's so much learning and, and evolving going on where I'm trying to you know even keep up with what's going on 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 TikTok. But how does a company know? what's what's valuable for an athlete like how much of a following does an athlete need on tiktok in order to be considered someone really valuable to sort of invest in and um and then who do you target from there and that kind of stuff there's it's constantly changing um and that's just the most fascinating part where some of these 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 companies are definitely run by older folks so like they 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 need to be able to i don't know try and figure out how to keep up as well yeah, I, I don't know if that was a little bit of advice for us too, JT, uh, that Chris is throwing down there. No, the I'm on the TikTok. But, but, I, I'm oh, on you're, the, on the TikTok? TikTok? you're on the TikTok? <laughs> is that the same as Instagram? No, I think it's a great point. I mean, we work with brands and, and mm -hmm. that is a constant struggle to be like, what worked last year doesn't mean it's going to work next year or what didn't work or, and, and vice versa. And so 
it is a constant and it's changing. It's not just year now. What worked last month is not going to work this this coming month. So yeah. constantly re revisiting that. No. Yeah. Uh, go ahead, Josh. Oh, I was just thinking like you're. I think you're. I think you're right. Like, and you think about Puma, right? And we think about Usain Bolt. But you go back a few years, and that was uh, Puma was huge in uh, in Ethiopia, particularly in Kenya, with uh, Daniel Komen. And before Bernard mm -hmm. Lagat became a U.S. citizen, he was sponsored by Puma. Um, so Lagat and I went to school uh, eight miles apart. And so when oh, I wow. redshirted, when I redshirted um, in college, he and I would get together in. in and I would rabbit his workouts for him, um, which was which was which was crazy. Um, but the whole the whole idea of it was like, yeah, you throw a bunch of money at some folks, and it it doesn't seem to resonate in the same way because they're, they're, the level mm -hmm. of access to who they are as individuals wasn't there. It was like, oh sure, Daniel Komen's running in you know like a Puma top and Puma shoes. That's cool. They must be the good shoes. So me as a, tr a track guy, maybe I can check them out. Um, but now this evolution of who the athlete is as a person plays so much of, of uh, kind of an accelerant into their value to a brand, right? And and I know that Chris, you're you're dialed into the whole social media stuff. Like, how do you, how would you advise an athlete into like curating something that's authentic but also valuable for them if they're just say just ran two hundred nine? What do we do now? Fantasy. Yeah, I mean. Uh, yeah, I think uh, you start. You can look at yeah. You start gambling. Uh, I think you look at at someone like Steph Bruce is like an excellent example of someone who's been able to um, really. You know, she's not making millions of dollars off of Hoka, but you know, it, it's interesting to think of like there could be Sprinter X or something like that making a lot of money off of their respective shoe deal. And that's great. They're they're cashing the check and they're gonna wear the product at the you know biggest stage in the world. But that athlete isn't sort of investing as much in being out there, being like, yeah, go out there and buy you know athlete you know company X shoe and all that kind of stuff. But you see someone like like uh, Steph Bruce who's like doing a great job of balancing sort of like that real human side of things that appeals to the masses and bridging it also with you know. Show, showing that she can perform at the biggest stages in the uh, of the sport, um, and so the performance aspect is also sort of there. So I think she's an excellent example to yeah. to take a look at. And then, you know, a guy like Scott Fable, biased here because I edit and produce his his podcast, <laughs> but that's just like another avenue, sort of that he's been able to extend that that personality. Yes, you know he's crazy fast and he's run two and nine at the at the Boston Marathon, but what else do you know about him? You know he loves burritos and he's he, he's uh, you know, he loves movies and that kind of stuff and has and has a whole podcast dedicated to it uh, where, you know, when he made the appearance on like Rich Roll's podcast, he was like, that's what I want to talk to you more about as opposed to, you know, training and that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, major props to the Hoka NAZ elite group because they've done a tremendous job of doing that kind of stuff. Hmm. Yep. So you're saying and that's it's not, a, it's, and go ahead, I will JJ. be honest, that's, yeah, that's, that's not a, uh, it's not a coincidence, you know, the Ben and Jen Rosario and mm -hmm. supported by people like Peter Abraham, who sits on their board and does branding and marketing. They bring people in to work with their athletes to build on these audiences. And so I'm, I'm making sure everyone <laughs> giving those, those behind, uh, uh, you know, talking, um, what do they call that? Baseball, uh, inside baseball. Yeah. There you go. Uh, on that. And side. the other thing what, too yeah. go ahead. is I guess like, uh, you can you can you'll be able to see it soon enough. Like uh, 
uh, Ryan Stern and Stephen Kirsch have produced this film that's going to come out in the next two months about NAZ's um, preparation for the Olympic uh, marathon trials. And, you know, of course, now we know that that movie has a happy ending with them putting one person on the team. But it's sort of I was trying to sit there and watching uh, watch it for the first time. I got, you know, a screener for it. And I'm wondering sort of like, okay, I know that the person who, you know, subscribes to Flow Track or Renter Space would watch this type of thing. But me as, you know, I love picking on Idaho, for example. I'm the casual sports fan in Idaho who happens to flip on ESPN2 and there's a 30 for 30 on. Why am I going to stay on this channel and watch this documentary? And watching it, I was hooked because I was like, all right, like there's more to these people and it helped me understand like why is it that this is their job, but what else do they do that makes them interesting? And so, um, yeah, that's just something to put on people's radars and, and look forward to in the next you know couple of months. It's, yeah, that's cool. coming out. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it'll it, you'll get sort of like that curtain peeled back pretty soon. Yeah, and I think that's I, I think you touch on something that's really interesting. Why the marathon itself or or local road races is is such an appeal to people because everyone shares in the misery. Twenty six point two is twenty six point two. Whether you run three and a half hours, two and a half hours, two hours nine minutes, everybody can go like, yeah, I understand that the humanity that it brings mm-hmm. to to you know to to me by participating in that. Or if you have someone that's done that. And where you what you're talking about right now is is a pretty good example of saying like well there's so much that goes into it at an at an elite level it's like watching the what was that Jordan documentary that was on over so good. it was the last yeah, dance yeah yeah, yeah. I, you know we all knew that they won the title like that didn't make any difference <laughs> I want to go I want to Rodman on a 72 hour Vegas junket. Exactly. That's that was the thing. It was like, oh man, Phil Jackson. I don't know. I don't know if you're turning to the bottle or turning to you know, turning to leaves. God, but you're doing something, my man, to hold yourself together. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But that well, that's, that is I the think interesting that's a great piece. transition because we're learning more about these athletes, and I think a few people from the Twitter and from Instagram want to learn a little bit more about our guest, oh, Chris yeah. Chavez. So yeah, this great, is a great, great time to add, to get into some questions uh, from the, the social medias. I'm going to take over the screen real quick and see if we can start <laughs> there. Uh, accessibility features include, I don't know if that, not now. Can I, can you guys see my screen? Maybe not. Your camera's been frozen on my end for a little bit, but. Oh, wow. um... Perfect. That's, that's how my face should look. <laughs> Let me see uh, if I, I can. I got nothing. You want to you want to read them out, JT? <laughs> oh, I, I, I can see you now. Involved, I had one that involved a picture, and I really thought that would be fun. Uh, let's see if that works. No, it's not going to work. Anyways, the photo is you wearing some jean shorts, and people just really wanted to know what's up with those shorts. And then you yeah, can refer back I mean, to your Instagram, which maybe it'll get you more followers. Go back to the fourth <laughs> picture on Chris's personal Instagram and uh, and check out his jean shorts preference. I don't see anything wrong with jean shorts. I mean, it, it was uh, it was the shorts. perfect look. It was the perfect look for that point in the summer. I, I think like it kept me warm enough up in altitude in Colorado, and I think I'm wearing a crew neck sweater in in, in the photo, so it was a good mix. <laughs> yeah, it's on brand. It's a Sidious Mag sweatshirt. Uh, the, yeah. the jeans have a nice roll in them. It's clear. What is that? 98, 97? I can't quite tell, but it it had been a few years, or maybe it was this past <laughs> summer. I'm not quite sure. It was one of those Instagram filters to make it look like uh, it was it was taken probably like <laughs> in the in the 80s or 90s. 
Yeah. Right. All right. That's right. the first one. Uh, Josh. Um, okay, fine. Let's just go to it. What's your favorite running shoe and why is it whatever one you get for free? Well, I get sent like a bunch <laughs> of them uh, and I haven't been able to try uh, every single one. And the thing is, it's like, I think when some people are like looking for like an honest review for me to like, uh, to give them like my thoughts, I feel like I'm not one of the most reliable people for that kind of stuff. Cause it says like, I guess maybe some people think like you need like at least 50 miles on a shoe before you can like really get a sense of it. Yeah. It takes me a week plus sometimes to, to get to 50 miles. So, uh, like I, I, I've been pretty steady training in the uh, the Brooks Hyperion uh, tempos. I love those. Um, I've been I, their second edition of their carbon fiber plated shoe has also been really good. The um, I think that's the Hyperion Elite Two. That's the one that Des wore at the trials. Um, but I mean, I'm I'm one of those people that all my PRs, most of them last year, were set in the in the Vaporfly. So yeah. I'm curious. You know, I'm very open to seeing what 2021 uh when the races start to sort of come back definitely want to mix it up and kind of you know one there's the challenge there where it's like yeah chris it's like you haven't raced in a while and maybe your training hasn't been up to up to par to like 2019 so uh maybe it was the shoes maybe you're a little bit out of shape but i want to kind of go combat those two type of things and like run faster in a different shoe and yeah continue to set prs yeah, and there's no shame, Chris, in just saying like my favorite shoe is the one that I get for free. Um, that <laughs> absolutely, absolutely no shame in that. I'm like, I don't know what this one's called. But, there's sometimes, uh, there's sometimes some really nice running shoes that get sent to me that that are like uh, I think too nice to 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 run in. Where I'm like, all right, I'll wear these with jeans. Uh, and uh, then the person who sent them will message me like, what'd you think? I'm like, oh, they were great. <laughs> <laughs> Josh, which one do you want to hear? Oh, man. Look, I think the big thing that I'm curious about is, like, do you really think that uh, – do you really think that people um, really care uh, about NYC run crews outside of NYC? Ooh, I like this question. This is a really good question because if you the, – the running scene here – is very sort of like intense. People belong to clubs. I'm I'm a member of the Brooklyn Track Club, uh, which is like an army. I feel like it's it's 400 plus people. Um, where you when you show up to a New York Roadrunners race, uh, everyone's got their crew that they're repping. Uh, and I'm someone who lives in Queens. I've never lived in Brooklyn, but I belong to the Brooklyn Track Club. I've got enough friends uh, on there, and I you know I take the time to go out there and actually like train and that kind of stuff. Uh, but it, it, it is very interesting when you sort of come out of that circle. And, and for me, being someone who's been exposed to, to running at the top end, uh, and, you know, the, covering college and high school, you sort of start, you see these times sometimes that like the sub-elites in New York throw down. And among the sub-elites, like it's, it's a pretty cool thing. But then I always start to think, it's like, yeah, but we've got New Jersey, New York uh, track club just, you know, up uh, up a couple, oh, maybe an hour or two away from, the, yeah. yeah. And so, like, if they came down, they would blow everyone out of the water. So it's like, yeah, I, you know, it's awesome and and great. Like, major kudos to you. But it's like, if we got some actual pros to come into the city, uh, then yeah, these people would be getting dusted left and right. But right. yes, I recognize that the, their accomplishments <laughs> are great. We've dedicated like a whole podcast to to you know exploring the New York City. Um, 
running culture, uh, and that's been sort of fun. But you know, at the end of the day, I also recognize that it's for a lot of people, this is how they get to meet people. This is uh, an avenue to to socialize, and some people are just doing it to that's their day or two to get active um, throughout the week. So it does. It also, I think, uh, does a lot of good for the community. Yeah, and a great yeah, and opportunity to show note. off your tattoos. You know, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. like yeah. if I've got a tattoo, I want to make sure it's on the uh, New York City Instagram. It's- Younger. Tank tops all the time, man. Singlets all, all the time. It's like a big time. turf war out there, you know. It's, it's like it's turf. like a I'll wear street my, fight. I'll wear my vapor flies for you know a little tempo run along the West Side Highway. That's yeah, it's better than LeBron wearing them off the off the plane. Uh, what was that last? Didn't he wear something like that? He did, yeah, man. He was, yeah, he wore the the Alpha flies for like off a plane and on like some Lakers road trip, which is just like really funny. But I'm sure Nike liked it. Anybody's gotten from a plane. To a terminal, ever. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I'm checking it out. All right, we've Do, got another you, one. Then. All right, Chris, Chris, before we move on to that, are you uh, are you West Side Highway or East River? I have done many workouts along the West Side Highway, where that's I think sort of like my favorite sort of place to yeah. put in a good you know hard tempo run, um, as opposed to doing it on the track like on the East River or even like Central Park is probably my favorite place to run, but yeah. West Side Highway definitely for workouts. Uh, yeah, I'd say I, I, when I, when we were doing traveling, I was like, West side highway is like all show, no go. And if you want to oh, grind it out, you go to the, you go to the East river, man. And you just like get underneath <laughs> the grime and grit twisting around. It's like in the middle of traffic. Yeah. Oh, it's so fantastic. That that's the spot <laughs> to be. It's just like, like there's an element of danger that just isn't there in, on, on the, on the West side. But, uh, you know, I can, I can, res- I can respect the, uh, the workout idea for sure. Yeah, I just bike uh, escorted a friend of mine who did the fastest known time around the perimeter of Manhattan. And so there is like a really nice flat stretch um, down by like the East River that, you know, I probably just kind of like subway accessibility isn't as easy to get to as, you know, the West Side Highway. But um, yeah, I definitely would, would have to explore it for sure. Okay, so it's the easiest path for you, like the, the path of least resistance. Like, you know, you don't want oh, to be the, Okay, so that's just, I mean, you know, a little validation of my point here. Like, well, the other thing, too, is like... It's easier, you know, I go there. Yeah, yeah, the other thing, too, is like I remember <laughs> training for the marathon uh, last summer, and, you know, Nike had done this big, like, uh, sort of, like, training group thing uh, where it was, like, 300-plus people training for different marathons in the fall. And so every Saturday or Sunday, they would get together for a long run. And so me and my buddy, Ryan, uh, who occasionally co-hosts, like, the podcast with me, um, just decided that because we were running Berlin, there was no need for us to go over, like, any sort of bridge. And so we did zero (laughs) hill training. Like, so when some of these long runs were designed to go over, like, the the Williamsburg Bridge or, like, the the Brooklyn Bridge, we had, we, we did our own route because we were just like, nope, there's, there's going to be zero of that during our race. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah, that, I, that's, I, I love that idea for sure. Absolutely. So what, what's the, you got to send us the route uh, for the, the fastest known time around the perimeter. I'm, I'm super curious about that. Is that, that sounds like an awesome, an awesome challenge. That's always oh, been something when I've traveled there, I'm like, oh yeah, I, this would be a fun thing to do for sure. And then I, it's like, a great Strava flex for sure. It, I mean, but after that's me thinking about it after a couple of beers and then you're going to go like, oh yeah, maybe, maybe put a bit of pause on that. Cause that's just ridiculous. But 
I don't know. My friend uh, Dennis just set the men's time uh, this past weekend. He ran three hours and 51 minutes for 32 miles around it. Um, and my friend Jenny, who I bike escorted, she ran three hours, 56 minutes. So the gap is like not that not that big um, between the two. And it was fairly flat for the most part, unless the upper part of Manhattan, I think, has a couple hills up by Columbia. But other than that, like, yeah, um, it's it's I, I, I feel like Joe Stillen, who runs for on uh, just moved to New York City, I think, over the summer. He's run 213 for the marathon and he turned 30, I think, or 31 recently. And I said, hey, man, if you want to do 31 miles, take this fastest known time, uh, because, you know, I think. It comes out to being averaged out to, I think, 650 pace or something like that for the whole entire thing. Um, and so I was like, yeah, just, you know, put this one out of out of reach for everyone. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, the, 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 the Strava flex right there. Um, that's oh, been yeah. the, like, the single motivating thing for me uh, during during quarantine. It's like, but more along the lines of maybe, like, 1,200, 1200 meters. Like, I'm going to go for that segment. That's going to be a big randos. segment for me. Yeah. That'll work mm-hmm. up to 31 miles. <laughs> uh, JT, what other what other questions came over? Uh... I got one from Instagram. It's slightly inappropriate, so I thought I'd say it. Um, this is Emma Abramson, uh, haughty or naughty? Question mark. Oh boy. Oh boy. I don't think. You oh wait, is that just? That's the question. Is that question. just about me? Like, oh. No, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it is relevant uh, to Santa Claus and, and, the, and the time of year where we're really providing information for everybody. We, and you can also defer. You get one deferment, which you may want to, you may want to answer this one. Who knows what the next one is? So is it asking if I'm, if I'm a hottie or naughty? Can't, I can't be both? If, if Emma is or if you are. It didn't come from Emma. <laughs> oh, it's, it's asking, asking if Emma is. Yeah. <laughs> Emma's too good of a friend. I'll pass on this one. Oh, you use your pat. You're using your pass on this. That's a bold strategy. We'll see how that plays out I for like you. It, actually. I like it. Josh, what do you got? Well, I, well, I got the I got the the one at the very bottom of our list. Uh, JT. I think it's that we, time. We're coming about to an hour. It's a great time to wrap it up. We all have busy schedules. Chris has been super patient with us on the Run Local podcast. This might become a, a constant question. So, Chris. Um, who is the most famous person uh, that you could uh, call on your phone within your within your like Rolodex? Who's the most famous person you can call? Is a follow up? You're gonna make me call him? <laughs> uh, yes. It's Malcolm Gladwell, but uh, that's a tough one. To I call. don't. Yeah, it's 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 Malcolm Gladwell, but the thing about him is that he he won't answer any of my text. He is uh, more responsive over email, uh, where we we email back and forth constantly, and he's very quick to respond over email. But um, never called, and rarely rarely gets back to to me via via text message. But funny that you asked that question because that is one of the questions on uh, one of my dating profiles. So that uh, and it garners some pretty good responses. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, you want to give him a call? Let's give him a call. I don't want to give him a call. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, let's let this linger as awkwardly as possible <laughs> before, I was, before I, you decline. You know, it's you know like we, we've I've got, got a, I've got a, we've got a solid friendship going. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I want to keep your friendship alive. I'm going to do one that you know um, a lot about because I think you've asked it on, on numerous podcasts of your own. And what's the most you've read about yourself on a Let's Run message board? 
The meanest thing about me on Let's Run is, I mean, there's a lot of things on there. Uh, a lot of people complain I have a whiny voice, and that one always stays with me. I'm like, all right, I guess my voice sounds a little bit whiny. We can uh, in post-production. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah just up, up, uh, up my levels or whatever it is a little bit. Uh, for some reason, people think I have tiny hands. That's, that, that comes up. There's one person who constantly posts about it. Um, I think they're just normal-sized. <laughs> I'm trying to think who what there was one other one. There was something about how I would write about my own personal running uh, on Sidious Mag, and someone was like really upset about it. I guess they didn't realize that I own the site uh, and that I could do whatever I want on it. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think that was just a, another one that was really interesting. And then there was one that I think like once fueled, I think they, they took a shot at like one of my times or something like that. And it was maybe I think in the marathon. And then I, in sort of like the recap that I ended up writing, uh, I mentioned how like that comment had like stayed with me. And then later on they posted on Let's Run and they were like, you know what? It wasn't meant to be as much of a knock, but I'm glad it, you know, it motivated you to like motivated. quicker time. I like that. Yeah. I like that a lot. I but yeah, I, I try and keep... I don't get I don't get phased by it. Yeah, clearly. I mean, clearly that didn't stick with you through your entire running your running performance in that marathon buildup. Uh, no, it was the, the crazy. The funniest part is it's like for every you know positive thing, it's great. Yeah, awesome. And people pat you on the back. But w the one time someone says you have a whiny voice, that's the one that really you know stings. That's the one that hurts. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think your voice is reasonable. I think your hands are of uh you know average size. I I don't. Good. I'll take that. Different. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, I, I wouldn't take uh, comments on Let's Run too seriously because I think you're doing a great job at Sidious and SI. And uh, you're, you're a treasure to the sport to keep it going and, and telling these cool stories and making it fun at the same time. So thanks for coming on. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah. 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 And, this uh, is a lot of fun. Well, you, you're you're welcome back anytime. Um, and Chris, thanks thanks a thanks a ton. Yeah, and I think to echo JT is like I, you are you're carrying the torch for a lot of folks. Um, this is how this is how we get our news um, is through your efforts. To be honest, not all of us want to wake up when Dubai wakes up, but uh, we're right. damn glad you do. And not yeah, all of us I'll, want to I'll read articles. Keep waking up. From Podium Runner that say top five reasons to buy this shoe or something like that. So thank you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> for, for what you do and making it fun, making us laugh. Uh, from all of us at Run Local Events, this will be our last podcast of the year. So happy Christmas, Merry Holidays. I'm pretty sure I got that backwards and on purpose. And not just that, but check out everything we do at runlocalevents.com from podcast to apparel to uh, events, live events someday in 2021. It is a bright future ahead. Other than that, check out everything Chris Chavez does at Sidious Mag. Read him on SA now. I think you can follow him. Where, Chris? Yeah, I'm on Twitter. Just uh, at Chris Chavez on Instagram. I think it's a little bit different. It's Chris underscore J underscore Chavez. I haven't been able to get a hold of that handle. Uh, but yeah, and then check out those two shorts. Yep. Yeah, and if you're in, you know, a 13 mile radius of me on on Bumble or Hinge, I'm also on there. So yeah. Perfect. I made it a runnable well, distance. A, a runnable, a runnable distance, huh? Uh, and what? <laughs> I can be with you in what? What is it like? Is an hour and a half? Is it two hour hours? It's like yeah. depends on the shoes I'm wearing. Depends on what you know? I did yesterday. Yeah, exactly. But anyways, exactly. On behalf it, of it, Ben Abrams and on the shoes, Malcolm Gladwell and all the names we didn't get to talk to today, uh, I want everyone have a, a safe and happy new year. Thank you guys, and we'll see you next time. Great to see you. All right, take care.